being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Caught. Touchdown, Chargers. That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. I am Andy Proffitt, your host, and with me, none other than Alistair Lloyd. Dare I ask how you are or how you're feeling this week, mate? Oh, good, man. I'm excellent. Wonderful. <laughs> Stupendous. I'm phenomenal, actually. Glad you asked. How are you? I am doing pretty good, as well as can be. You. Uh, there was a loaded question because you sent quite the colourful yet subtle public explosion video to um, one of our chat threads with the NFL legends uh, on your way to work the other day. Good to have a sense of humour when your December sporting dreams are dashed and gashed. But let let us not dwell too heavily on what has become of the, the Chargers 2023 campaign. Try and have a little bit of fun with this one, guys, because <laughs> it ain't great. So crack a beer, open your ears, and um, let's dig right in, shall we? Broncos 24, Chargers 7. All kinds of demons possessing this Chargers team as they host the division rivals. Those division rivals who had not won a road game in the AFC West since 2019. The saga continues. And on a day when we recognize one of the league and the team's greatest ever tight ends, Antonio Gates. What, what a disaster. Phil Rivers is in the house looking down going, glad I'm out of this shit show. Rather have another 10 kids than get back in the powder blues with this crap. Herbert, out of all, out of sorts, all over the place early, losing touch on numerous throws, getting eaten alive, unblocked rushes, ultimately sacked four times on his 21 dropbacks, including uh, the Josie Jewell sack that ended his season in the second quarter. Back up Easton Stick, who um, PFF's pod asked uh, Steve P- Palazzolo, Kindly referred to as hockey equipment, which got me going. The old Eastern stick. He entered the game and it was arguably less disastrous than it could have been, I think. More of a car parking error with a minor ding than the multi-car pile-up on the I-5. It wasn't pretty, but that rainbow to QJ setting up the sole scoring play by the Bolts was not bad, actually. All in all, Herb and Stick combining for 275 pass yards at a miserable 52.4 completion percentage. Unable to generate any sort of momentum on offense, Chargers finishing 0 from 12 on third downs and 1 from 6 on fourth down attempts, summing up a pretty dogged day. Now at 5 and 8, the Chargers are still mathematically in the hunt, but they're only really hunting their own shadow. The Donkeys, on the other hand, have gone from an 0 and 3 start and the laughing stock of the division to 7 and 6 and one damn game behind the stuttering Chiefs. If there was a season to usurp Kansas City in the AFC West, this was it. And it actually just adds to the fact that what the team has done is its absolute best to blunder that opportunity. I hope that the Lions absolutely massacre Denver next week in Detroit, while the NFL world is treated once again to a genuine shit show on Thursday night football as the Eastern Stick-led Bolts head to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders and Aiden O'Connell. Ah, uh, where do you want to start on this one, man? What do you got? Nice spiel. There's a lot to unpack. <laughs> you're on fire. You, you're pulling them left, right, and center. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, I'm almost at a loss for words. It's rare for me, but yeah, I, I, what, what a microcosm of life as a Chargers fan. I started the weekend so purely getting away to celebrate my first anniversary with Kirst. Uh, and a happy anniversary to you, you lovely couple. Thank you. We had a splendid time. It was so good. So much fun. Uh, just good to get away for a couple of nights, enjoy each other's company, watch some movies, go to a nice restaurant, that kind of thing. And I came home, honestly, pumped up. I was buoyed. I was thinking, you know, yep, season hasn't been too good. 
but these last few games, are, some of them are winnable. All of the early games in the window essentially fell the Chargers' way. And as you said, heading into that game, you had every reason for the team to come out and put on a strong performance, given that they were celebrating legends of the franchise. And it's a team that you kind of on a similar level in a sense, but you have Justin Herbert and now's the time to shine at home. Then by the end of the game, I like, this is the most despondent I've ever been about the Chargers in all the time, 15 years of, of following them. I don't think it's ever been darker than this because we saw a slew of errors that we've seen all year. Uh, your, you know, your franchise quarterback come out, play poorly to start the game, miss throws, as you said, and not all of them were like protection related. He's missed Keenan, who's open, didn't connect with Everett early in the game, rolled out and missed Erickson, overthrew one in the red zone that was kind of chucked into the stands. So he was off and then he suffers a season ending injury, which straight up ends the season. Straight. And up to that up to that point, there there was a real kind of story to be told. It get past this game, win, and then see where we go. And just for it to now be kind of Herbert's third ish injury in a year and a half, you start to talk about, oh, is he durable? So those conversations creep into it. It kills the Brandon Staley era. Many listeners will say it's high time and they'll be celebrating that. Very few will be on the other side now saying that that's, you know, regrettable. It is what it is. I I don't know. I, I was basically singing the Beatles yesterday to myself. <laughs> on Monday, I'm on the train on, <laughs> on the way we're into work. Just going, yesterday. It was fucking grim. So we try to have a bit of fun with it. Putting on our show as we do each week is going to, you know, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be different. We haven't done it since we've started, but we've got lots of ideas in store, TDU crew. So don't worry. We'll come to you and we'll have different guests and such. Um, Jack was watching, we should say. And what were you, you had a chat with him, Andy, while, while watching the game. What, what, how could you kind of summarize some of his feelings about what he's been watching? Uh, he used the word smelly a lot. Uh, that's, that's a big takeaway from me. And also offered a, a cameo appearance under the influence of a fair bit of alcohol, which I politely declined. It would be love to get him back on the show, but um, he's, he is, uh, toys are out of the cot. The baby's out with the bathwater. Jack's had an absolute gutful. Uh, we need to get him back on Twitter uh, where where we can, because he will be right in the mob with the, the flaming torches and the pitchforks. And he, he wants to clear house. Uh, I think he sent us a message with about 15 stars of the team that he doesn't want in the building next year. So I don't know whether he's, you know, packed up his brains when he's been moving house as well, but um, <laughs> uh, some, 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 some good and interesting takes. And Hey, look, it's, it's that time of year where you gotta, you've got to ask those the rhetorical questions. Um, when you look back at, you know, the stances that we've taken as, as a, a trio and as a show, I guess, representing the team from a distance, not really, but you know, we very proud Chargers supporters and we've been very proud Staley supporters as well. And it is just the same shit week in, week out. And it is becoming so hard to even just walk back your beliefs and your wants for this team, because every time you, you know, you, you just have a little bit of faith, like there's just, there's just something else. There's, you know, I think this one was really particularly hard to swallow because as you said, so succinctly, the game started out with the one guy that we've had carrying the team on offense, let's say, uh, just having a stinker for mine, one of the worst starts to a game that he's had. And yep. it is a concern because it makes you look at the bigger picture of this season and it has been, he's had some awesome moments, awesome moments, and it doesn't detract from the potential that this guy has is, you know, what, 26, he's got a long career ahead of him, but there has just been such a noticeable regression in his, um, performance this year. I believe he's, like I said, I'm not saying that he's become a sub 
great quarterback. I don't know if I can put him in the elite category, especially this year. He has the potential to be a long stay in that tier, but this year just hasn't been. And it, look, a lot of it's to do with the supporting cast yep. um, or lack thereof. And a lot of it has also been maybe there was just a, we got hoodwinked a little bit with the excitement around the new offensive coordinator. Um, I wanted to get into this a little bit later, but I'll ask you, I, I, mm-hmm. do you think the offense is better than it was under Joe Lombardi? Yeah, I do think it's, I think it's better, but that's a kind of a low baseline for where we were last year. I think, um, what, what's equally telling is the Cowboys fans who kind of warned Chargers fans. They didn't love the Keller Moore experience and the analytics types would have, were having a good old chuckle about Mike McCarthy taking over control of that offense now, you know, stating that they want to run the ball more often. And a lot of us thinking that the Cowboys had been hoodwinked. We'd stolen a talented play caller who, and he had all those stats that to kind of tick off in terms of scoring yeah. and red zone. Uh, but you look at how the Cowboys are performing right now and how the Chargers are performing. And it's hard to conclude that Dallas made the wrong call. Yeah. Specifically, I think the running game is worse than it was under Lombardi. It's no, it's certainly not better. Uh, the pass protection has gotten has stayed stagnant, stagnant or slightly worse. Mm-hmm. The red zone offense much better. Like that's one thing that they've done well. They score when they get in the red area and they move the ball between the twenties. So yeah. I mean, the, the, like it they 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 will end up having these kind of headline figures that look all right, although the last few weeks with the lack of scoring is starting to push them down the list. What they mm-hmm. really struggle with, Andy, like feel for the game against your opponent and just how you're approaching and attacking the defense. I can think of only a handful of examples where I just thought, wow, this guy's feeling himself. Against Miami in week one, we couldn't put a foot wrong offensively. Uh, responding to the Vikings in week three, and all of the blitzes that Flores sent to us. I thought the offense was really well prepared that week. What they did to the Lions, there's some high points, but so often it just feels like, um, you said it last week, they just want to run the ball for the sake of running the ball. And yeah. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you referred to Steve Palazzolo and um, Sam Monson on PFF NFL podcast because... They were saying, well, one option here is let's just see them stop running the ball full st- full stop and have 50-odd pass attempts. We kind of saw the same, like, you know, we want to establish the ground game early, even if it means running on second and 10 because you incomplete a pass on first down. You don't run on second and 10 when you've missed on first down. That is not what you do. Uh, what did, Like, what did you think of the, the way the uh, running backs – we use because Tiki Barber, one of the guys in the broadcasting booth, yep. was kind of going on and on about how you should keep giving Eckler all the carries. Um, we saw a balance. What did you think of Spiller getting some touches and how, how the load was shared? I loved seeing Spiller getting some touches. Uh, I thought that when he got the ball, his first run was, I think, on a, a first and 10. And he ran physically. He ran north to south, which I haven't seen with any success from the likes of Kelly. Um, we tend to use Austin. Austin, well, we I think we use him poorly uh, through between the tackles. Um, but for the most part, you know, he's outside. Um, I've I've been banging on like we we only suit up two running backs and we flog it. We become predictable this week. You know, the coach said there's going to be competition, and I'm really glad that he followed through with that. I'm really glad that, um, you know, we're seeing Kelly get a couple of touches. He had three runs for six yards. Um, I've got to find in my notes because I'm, <laughs> I'm at the end of my wits with this goddamn guy. Uh, but Seymour, uh, Isaiah Spiller, we drafted him recently. He's been inactive heaps. Like, he's, he, I think he's a better runner than um than Kelly and I think look we're not going to talk too highly about either of their pass blocking prowess because it's borderline non-existent shout out to Kev Diego for banging that drum um strongly for so long but yeah like I said three rush attempts six yards free agent at the end of the year and I think it's probably best that he take his craft elsewhere for 2024 to be honest it's going to be a big overhaul 
Um, and it, there's just got to have to be some kind of veteran, cheap veteran presence. And, you know, maybe the, maybe the way that the offense is headed is because look, money is going to be tight. And when you're mm. paying your quarterback as much as you are, everywhere else has to get cheaper. If Eckler doesn't play for the Chargers next year, which is probably 25% at best that he takes a team-friendly deal coming off a um a pretty average year. Uh, and on Eckler, he answered the call. He answered the challenge from the coaches. He had 100 total yards, um, 50-50 receiving, rushing, scored the only touchdown, had moments where he looked great, not his best, but looked better. Uh, yep, so that was, bit, that was a little bit more inspiring than it has been. But the the mentality of, you know, there's so much talk in the offseason about we're going to be north-south running team, and I'm just not seeing any efficiency in the run game at all. Uh, and it puts it just puts so much pressure on on the on the quarterback to to keep continuously dig the team out of those holes, um, you know, be forced to always, you know, we're either going another run on second and eight or we're throwing to a predictable kind of um, scheme or uh or plan like that and it's just it's why i ask if like a lot of the concepts that lombardi ran sure were really pedestrian but it just sort of seems like this run run okay now we have to throw oh there we are three and out or hell sack on third down and now we're punting from 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage and it's just there's no way to build momentum in this offense. There's no way to be able to sustain drives and take possession time of, uh, you know, hang on to the ball and maintain strength of um, time of possession. We're just not allowing ourselves to do that. So you, you always sort of feel like you're playing from behind. And in the weeks where the defense couldn't keep up with the opposition, it really showed. Um, and we've kind of been lucky with uh, games against the Patriots uh, where the, the opposition fans just didn't really challenge and the defense did stand up to that sort of stuff. The jets in there as well. Um, and uh, look, unfortunately, <laughs> Sean Payton has turned this team around and uh, this Broncos team around. And uh, we just did a, did a, did a bit okay on defense. Uh, but then again, not enough, really not enough, not enough to substantiate what ended up happening to the offense. With, uh, with Herbert going out, maybe it was for the best. Maybe it was just sort of like, well, look, the year's kind of in the books now. Um, maybe Herbert getting injured is a silver lining of he's, he's getting smashed. He's, he's getting hit. And like you said, I think he's had four pretty significant injuries in the last two years with the rib cartilage. He had the torn labrum in his shoulder that it was operated on in the offseason. He's hurt his uh, left hand and now he's broken his index finger on his throwing hand so maybe it's good that he can he's had the surgery and he can um begin his off season now and uh yeah you know it's an opportunity to see what we got so oh, i don't know it's it just sort of it all just comes full circle with the, the narrative of this season close you know we're in it in contests and then we're just we're not polished enough across the board we don't know how to play as a as a three units at once and yeah it's just very it just becomes so tiresome all you all you Chargers fans out there will agree you're seeing the same shit or just like a, a little pick of this bit pick of that just it's going to be one of five things that costs the team in close games dropped catches fumbles um, quarterback copping sacks or, you know, having having a couple of brain fades where he's taking too many sacks. What was it? Of the six sacks that Denver generated, three of them were just blatantly unblocked, just unblocked yeah. rushes. And, like, it's just out of this world. Whereas on the other side of the ball, and credit to um, Sean Payton and Lombardi, when whenever Mac was, you know, on, on the left-hand side, they had... Mike McGlinchey and Adam Troutman right next to him, and he was getting double teamed. And that's how you that's how you design that. What do we have on the run blocking? We have Jordan McFadden, which is a giant bowling ball who has absolutely no idea what he's doing, man. He whiffed on his run blocking. I was like, dude, get this guy off. Get him off. I've had enough. I went, like, I've, I had an absolute gut full of this guy just going, hey, man, I don't, I don't know. Just put me here. Hit the guy. <laughs> Mate, you're missing three blocks in one hit and, the, like, <laughs> probably being unnecessarily harsh on Josh Kelly because his lead blocker 
better off selling insurance, dude. Like, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let me let me uh, ta- let me take you back to one thing you said, and uh, I think the, the deficiency in Keller Moore scheme is almost the opposite to the deficiency from the Lombardi scheme. With Lombardi, we were so concerned about low average depth of target, low Mm. yards per attempt, dump off passes, lack of any kind of deep threat. I feel like it's the opposite problem for Callamore. It manifests in an inability to prepare for what is gonna obviously come your way, which is liberal use of the blitz by defensive coordinators who've seen you struggle picking it up. And they sent Locke, they sent McMillan, they sent all of those guys that we knew and anyone who'd watched their last few games knew that they like blitzing from the slot. They like showing the mugged up linebackers in the A gap, but they will send them if you can't pick it up. And where I think Callum Moore's scheme struggles is you saw time and again, there was not a hot answer to the blitz. And because Moore actually likes pushing the ball down the field, high average depth of target. Multiple times, Herbert realized it's a it's a man coming through free. And if you pause the tape, there's not a single receiver looking in his direction. There's no dunk off pass. Yep. There's no running back in the flat. So that's, that's just as bad a deficiency because what it means is yeah, you're going to get sacked a million times. And getting sacked a million times means you're going to have a season-ending injury at some point. Yep. which is exactly what happened. And they've had multiple opportunities to fix this because it's a problem that first emerged in week one and has consistently popped up throughout the year. So a uh, big fat cross for Kellen Moore, uh, at least in that respect. It's it's really upsetting to see. Um, otherwise, I yeah. liked all of that spiel. Yeah, you. I just sorry. I just really ran with it. I just had to get a lot off my chest, and Jordan McFadden copped it. Probably unnecessary, but he copped it. And it's just it just speaks volumes to how the team. Or sorry, how the the coaches look at the personnel. Um, we've spoken about, you know, not uh, look. Everyone's spoken a lot about. Did we pick the white? Did we have the chance to pick the right wide receiver? Yes, we did. Did we do it? Probably not. And I've got to ask you, how's the irony on Quinton Johnson having a career day when Easton sticks the quarterback, you know, hauling in that 57 yarder. That was pretty, man. It was nice. Oh, he had yeah. a couple of, he had a nice. Really good ca- throw um, too. Really great good throw. throw. Great throw. Look, there were three turnover worthy plays and some of them were pretty yuck, but got away with that uh, incompletion yeah. fumble set up that um, I was like you like to me stick kind of exceeded what I was expecting he made at least I'll say seven impressive throws now yeah, what he doesn't you. seem to have is any peripheral awareness so he was just like boom smacked yeah. at least three times <laughs> I think a lot of those are the turnover with the plays he was lucky one was not called a, a strip sack for a return touchdown they called yeah, that back Mac- Macmillan yeah yeah Macmillan uh but Otherwise, Stick, like, there was enough from Stick that that made me go, okay, like, you're way better than you were four years ago, that's for sure. For sure. He's pretty fast when he gets out of the pocket, he's mobile, yep. and he put a few throws out there. So maybe one, it's the, it's the lighter shade of silver you've ever seen in your life. This guy gets a chance for four games now to start, and he's a free agent at the end of the year. So we've seen all across the league with the slew of injuries to starting quarterbacks, guys like Jake Browning and Josh Dobbs getting chances. I'm keen to yeah. see what Easton Stick does with his chance. I thought it was Absolutely. an okay start. I like the way Staley spoke about him as well uh, in the presser, sort of heading into, you know, facing the Raiders with Easton Stick at the at the quarterback and spoke, I mean, there's a lot of fluff, Staley, like, like all coaches. So, well, sorry, like most coaches. Staley is not one to... Uh, He'd rather sort of talk up a guy and say, you know, we've, just that ge- generic cliche stuff like, you know, we've seen Easton improve year on year. Uh, and you can kind of see what he was saying. Like he's athletic. He's smart enough to sort of read a defense. He's been got the clipboard. Um, he's been on the clipboard for a while. And it has, yeah, like I agree with you. I was thinking when Herbert went out, I was like, I don't even know if I can watch the next five, four games, four and a half games, because it's going to be an absolute... Make some furniture, mate. Make a baby crib. Mate, I did. When that finger injury, I guys, if you're joining us for the first time, I've, my partner and I are expecting in a couple of months, and we've just had some 
<laughs> nursery furniture delivered. So yeah, Herbert goes off with an injury and I decide to start making flat pack furniture for the rest of the game, cursing the old Allen key and um, like just sort of listening and going, oh, another sack. Oh, great. Another Denver touchdown. Cool. This is great. Going to have to talk about this for 45 to an hour and try and have a bit of fun. God thank beer because God that helps tell ya. I don't get the don't necessarily get the uh, enjoyment of having Sunday football. We sort of we toe the line with getting too drunk on Mondays most weeks. So <laughs> I stayed off the beers and got on the furniture. But like I've run out of furniture now, so I've got to hope that um I've got to hope that it's sort of entertaining. And I feel like it it won't be as bad as as we could have imagined. Um, <clears throat> We'll get into what the lineup might look like uh, when we get on to uh, previewing the Raiders game. But uh, look, it is what it is. There's not much you can do about these sort of things. And like I said, I think the silver lining is that Herbert can start his offseason now. He's not going to get hurt uh, anymore. And there's some stuff that um, I'm hoping gets exposed. I'm hoping that things get brought to light. As I was saying, did we pick the right, right wide receiver? Um, we spoke about the need at the start of the year for a tight end. And I feel like that's kind of showing up. Parham's had a couple of patches. Gerald Everett's a damn dog and I love him. But we need more. We need... Well, we just need someone a... who excels at run blocking. Like the, we've yeah. got three receiving tight ends. Yeah. We need Absolutely. balance in the room. Balance. And it just doesn't seem to have it. Um, because you can't really get the ball out into the pass game if the quarterback's getting flushed or smashed. Uh, every second drop back because we've got a, a young offensive line for 60% of it. We've got a, a backup center um, who has his moments and doesn't, uh, he wasn't too bad this week. There were times where he was just getting, when you talk about the the mug front with the, the dual linebackers over the, the a gaps, like, poor Will Clapp just looked at him. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to look at this because someone's getting hurt. And sure enough, Josie Jewell, Alex Someone's Singleton. Over, I yeah. fucking hate Alex Singleton so oh, much. Man. I would hit him with my car, swear to God. And he's in there just like getting up in people's faces. <laughs> and I just thought, it's just one of those days. Um, sweetie, can you order some more furniture? That would be great. <laughs> uh, look, let's let's get on to... Um, I want to talk about the coaching because there were, you know, in every time there's a loss or even when there's a close win... 90% of the Twitter commentary is Herbert's great, fire Staley. What did you think about some of the coaching decisions, particularly early in the game? Because it was interesting how that went down after the, you know, the interception inside at the 13 by Michael Davis, which was a pretty bloody awesome um, play. But yeah, yeah. what yeah, did really you think play. about those? I thought, firstly... I thought Matt Ryan was pretty good in the booth. I liked hearing from a guy who's recently retired. I thought he had a lot of good insights. Now I'm yep. about to slam him. We have three people in the broadcast booth and all of them are trying to tell the listeners how the Chargers should take field goals on fourth and short. It was all they were talking about the entire game. I could not believe what I was listening to. The year is 2023. And you're going, yeah, you know, three points. It's really good. Put some pressure on Denver. So I think there were three that that you could refer to. Going for it on fourth down after the Michael Davis interception, 100% you do that. It's a fourth Agreed. and three from the Den Denver six. It's week 14 and win and you're in. Worst case scenario, like we did, we miss it and Denver gets the ball at the six-yard line. They've got to drive 94 yards. The chance to put seven points on the board there, I think, is is a is an obvious go for it. And as it turned out, the play call was fine. It was really just an execution problem. Herbert slightly behind him. Everett could have caught it, dropped it. I yep. don't put that on the coach for a second. I'd be annoyed if we Agreed. walked away with a field goal there. Second I one, agree. fourth and two at the Denver 29. Seven nil is the score. It's coming up to halftime. Uh, that one, I don't, like you're sending out Dicker for a 46-yarder. That one's a bit more line ball. Like, okay analytics would say go for it but you haven't got any points on the board at all and what looked really bad is we went for it and had an illegal shift and at the same time herbert basically gets intercepted down the right sideline except the defender didn't get his feet in so that oh, was just man. a joke absolute joke yep. 
Um, and then I thought there was some issues with, you know, timeouts in the second half, not preserving them, an incorrect challenge. But the challenges I, killed us a little bit, yeah. Agree. I don't I don't look at that game and think, hey, Sean Payton showed up Brandon Staley. It's just it wasn't that type of game, I didn't think. What you had was Russell Wilson dealing with pressure well. He was pressured on 50% of dropbacks. I thought they did a really good job of getting pressure on their quarterback. Wilson just made a few really nice plays with his legs or just getting it out. Still kept them you know, in check for the first half on defense, I thought. So if you're yeah. just looking at Peyton versus Staley, I thought the defense held its own. If you look at the other side of the ball, Vance Joseph just completely decimated Kellen Moore. And I guess to the extent that Staley's the head coach, that reflects poorly on him. They lost the game, execution again, not lining up. All of that falls under Staley as head coach. So yep. Staley fails from that perspective. But yep. I mean, what, what did you think? Did you think uh, the defense was okay in this game or you thought they kind of won both sides of the ball? Uh... I think they, my answer would be that they would have won both sides of the ball if not for Jerry Judy, just dropping yep. two absolute sodas, missing two sodas. Like it was QJ stuff uh, of weeks past. Um, <laughs> oh man, it was, he dropped two absolute howlers. I was a bit disappointed with how Michael Davis approached the Cortland Sutton touchdown, but Cortland Sutton's just a good big receiver yeah. and he just couldn't, he couldn't get himself in a proper um, position. So do you see that was that. the longest throw of the NFL season in air yards, 60 yards completion? Really? He had yeah, all day and he just sat there. Yeah. Boo! He throws a yeah. nice moon ball, Russell Wilson. I tell you. Yeah, he does. He does. And like, like I said, we, we just really struggled to generate heaps of pass rush. I think even though, Mac was blanketed. He was still great, but it's just not enough when you've got, you know, when you have your other stud um, pass rusher, who's a rookie, who's played out of his skin this year, has a bad game. You notice it because you just can't, if you can't generate the pressure on both sides. I also think that um, the Denver offensive line is playing pretty well this year and has improved week on week. And that sort of shows. And that's kind of why I think Tooley got sort of shut out, but um for the most part, yeah, I thought we kind of kept them in check. But like I said, I think it was a little bit kind of edged in yeah, our favor because it could have been way worse. Like they, they were too borderline touchdown or into deep into the red zone um, catch, catches that they missed out on. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to say. Vance Joseph really made uh, Kellen his, his bitch. And I hate that. I really I hate to see that sort of stuff because... It didn't have to be that way. We just it just feel like he has the the Boise shutters on, and uh, he's just a bit like he's hesitant to sort of change it up and 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 try something new. Like like you said, you know, if you win out from here, your chances are okay of um, getting through. And look, the way that the weekend of the slate of games went, everything oh, has yeah. sort of fallen in our favour. It was like, come. On. Oh, if they like, if they went on and win, ten wins you're in. Nine wins, yeah. as you said, they're not mathematically eliminated yet. Nine could get you in, but they're not going to win their last four games. Did you? Th I thought, oh man, like watching Josh Allen against the Chiefs and then Herbert against the Broncos. Like you said, the start of that game was so disappointing. Yeah, like that was the game. You're at home. It was essentially a playoff game. You see the difference in how. Josh Allen, it's almost like he says, you know what? It's December. Time for me yep. to just start running. If yep. no one's open, I'm running. Herbert yep. doesn't have that in him. And I don't know if that's, he's more robotic, mechanical, goes through his reads, follows the rules. He's He looks like a pretty straight vanilla guy. Not exactly up there in the list on like, you know, who you'd want to have dinner with. Alan looks like he throws I, I, caution. Yeah, I agree with you. I reckon, he'd be a pretty, I reckon he'd be a pretty shocking beer, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. However, I, I would race. I would ditch my wife or my friends in an instant if he wanted to get a beer. True. But yeah. I'd be making all the chat. Yeah. He follows only the you know how. <laughs> <laughs> Pots and <Wow>. kettles. Spiel <laughs> man. Um, it's my and job. <laughs> you are host. Uh, but 
he, I don't know. There was just, I wish he, there was one in particular where he rolled to the right in the first quarter, the second offensive drive, and he tried to hit oh, yep. Ericsson and missed him. And if you looked at, it was a third down. And if you look at the behind camera, there's actually no one in front of him there. And I don't know. It was like he's he's looking for the bigger play. He would have run twenty yards, and I don't know. He's he's had a he's had a good year. He really has. But that was not a good spot to have that kind of a start. And the season's all over. Is Brandon Staley all over, Andy? I want to ask you that because Herbert's now hurt for the rest of the year. That opens up the type of argument around, oh, Herbert got injured with five games left. Do you think there's a potential avenue for him coaching next year or is his um, writing on the wall? I I think the writing is on the wall, but I also know the track record of the owners and yeah. they are not people who are willing to, A, off their you know last three hires, they're not really willing to pay a coach. And I, I think in that, they're not willing to pay a guy, uh, two guys to do one person's job. So if they've got rid of Staley and he's under contract for the fourth, for that next year, they've got to pay two guys. Um, and it just, I don't know if it's financial though, man. Cause like Staley's the, like the one of the cheapest paid coast. Yeah, no, but, but they're happy to do with players. So to me, it doesn't make sense. Like, they're going to pay JC Jackson whatever it is next year not to play. Staley's wage, I think he's only on something like a million and a half yeah. per year. I agree with you. Their t- track record suggests that they don't do it. I wonder if it's less about the finance and more about they really believe in the coaches they select and they want them to see out the, the deal or or maybe it is money and I'm wrong. But I just wanted to point out that He's making less than like a back of the roster player per year. Yeah, it's not yeah. an expensive contract. Yeah, uh, look, I, I think the writing is on the wall because for the roster that you've had to just be, it's 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 beyond the point of just being unlucky. I think, um, I think there is inherent issues, and the way that you brought up the, um, you know, Staley's the head coach rather than just the defensive coordinator the whole narrative of the team just being completely inept at play, as playing as a whole really i think for me anyway speaks volumes to his ability to you know talk about how he's he's always spoken about how he's great with players and he speaks really well for the most part until he gets until popper corners him in um puts him in a in a headlock and he lashes out like an underfed lion but he like I'm just, I feel like it's all talk and all sort of all a facade because I'm not seeing, you know, and the offense plays well, the defense gives up 40 points. And when the defense holds a team, we score six or we like the offense just can't go. There's got to be, there's something chemically wrong with how the team is brought together. I feel like there's a lot of focus from Staley onto the, the defensive side of the ball because his reputation has been dragged through the mud and fair enough because the defense has sucked this year. There's no two ways of, of doing it, of saying it, but it just doesn't uh, like, you know, it'll be in the quarterback meeting in the quarterback room and stuff, but I just feel like that's kind of show. I don't really feel like he has the, he don't, I just don't feel like he's got the ability to um, corral the men as a unit. And so that's, that's a concern for me, whether that translates to what uh, the, the owners want uh, you know, this we've got four weeks pretty much to talk about the speculation of uh, what's going to happen with the head coaching position. Because um, I don't think it's it, nothing's going to happen until the end of the year, especially now that Herbert's out. I feel like it'd be a real kind of wet fish move to get rid of Staley now. Um, kind of, I don't know, does it make it better or worse? People are going, oh, let's see what Kellen Moore can do. I'm going to tell you right now, Kellen Moore ain't the option at head coach. Absolutely. Like, I just, no way. He's not getting this offense to fulfill its potential. There's not a chance that he could get the whole team to do it. He's like, he's a goofy dude. And I just don't see that. I feel like it'd be such a weak move, which is kind of typical of the charges. They'd probably um, promote him internally and you'd just go, cool. This is assistant 4.0. And here comes another four years of us going, Hey, Hey, look at the guys that we've got on paper, which is going to change financially after this year. And We'll get excited about that and then we'll go, oh, we've got a guy who kind of doesn't really know what he's doing. So fantastic. Um, yeah, it, it opens up a can of worms as to like what will 
what we'll see happen, but I might save a little bit more of that until we start getting our, like we've got the Chiefs and the Bills and <laughs> they could be games that we do not want to talk about at all. It might be a brief stat sheet and then we're like, okay, <laughs> who are, what are the what options? What movies we've you watched a... recently? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Been yeah. any concerts recently, Andy? You know? Yeah, I have actually. Saw the Fooies. Uh, bloody good. Bloody good. Let's see him again. Um, what percentage oh. of the concert would have you sung along to verbatim with the lyrics? Over under for... 75%. Oh, over for sure. Favorite, yes. favorite band of all time. Absolutely over. Like I could, could not talk on Monday. Couldn't speak. Oh, sorry. On Thursday, uh, the day after I saw him. Know the words, do you? Um, hey. Know the oh. words, do you? Absolutely. I do. Yeah. I've got that. Um, I've got that tism like kind of aspect of knowing words to songs. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about the Foo Fighters? <laughs> yeah, you go. Uh, a little less Rain Manny like than you. Um, one other guy I want to talk about, I did mention a great game from Khalil Mack. There's something that had me a little bit worried. Um, he, uh, look, I don't know if this is probably common knowledge that last year after the Jags game, he really considered hanging the boots up and he thought, I'm going to give this another go because I believe in, you know, what we're building. And that was just a kind of, well, what it was, was the first domino to fall in what has been a pretty yuck slide. Um Considered calling time after that loss. He's come back. He's had a genuine all-pro season. He's on track to absolutely obliterate his personal best sack record. He's currently tired, I think, from 2019, maybe, when he recorded 16, yeah. uh, 16 sacks in both seasons per PFF anyway. Um, uh, they calculate sacks differently. They do. It's a bit they they do one. their maybe. own. They give you a sack. even They don't believe in halves. So the official NFL uh, stat sheets, they'll give one to each of the person who the NFL gives a half. Very good. That We've lost all our listeners why. after that. <laughs> like, oh, we don't like the Foo Fighters. We're out of here. Fair play. Um, Seals are still listening, look, though. He's one, of, he's one of the few veterans in the team that has, has played with absolutely everything, uh, be it... You know, when he jumps into coverage, he runs and chases like an animal. In run defense, he has saved us something crazy. Pass rush, look, what he's done for, you know, his own output, what he's done in the absence of Joey Bosa for the development of Thule has been so underrated for what we're going to see in the next few years from number 45. What did concern me, though, is he's had enough. He's had enough of... And I'll quote, we're competing at the highest level. If you've got guys that are ready to pack it up, they don't need to be in the locker room. Where there's a chance or not, you're going to keep going out there to give it everything you've got. So he is fed up with guys who just don't seem to have the mentality of putting it all out there. I think it's a, more of a stab at some of the younger guys that maybe don't take it as seriously uh, and then kind of lick their wounds afterwards. But it. I'm sure a lot of that comes from disappointment and frustration with where the team's at this year. But look, if his friend, the coach, gets shown the door at the end of this season and the, the team looks to sort of regress or go into a stage where we're now paying the quarterback the third most in the league, there are going to be, you know, where you pay one guy heaps. Like the, uh, and I look, I, don't, I definitely don't treat this guy as gospel, but Colin Coward makes a really good point and it's, it rings true to the, Kadarius Tony um, offside. When you pay one guy heaps, you've got to get cheaper elsewhere. And what cheaper means is draft picks, etc., or more sort of fringe, like wide receiver three fours playing as your wide receiver two, stuff like that. And mistakes happen. So there's that, I say regressing pretty generally, but um, does that mean that if Staley's out, does our premier pass rusher just go, I'm going to give this another go elsewhere? I'm out. I want to win. He's played for the Raiders, the Bears, and now the Chargers. He, I think, he was with the the Bears in 2018 when they sort of had a yep. had a crack and had a pretty good year, and then they went to shit after that. He's come over to a great roster with all the promise in the world, hanging out with his buddy Staley, and we've been pretty disappointing in his in his two years, um, losing the way that we did last year and now this one. So I feel like we talk about Joey Bosa now with a pretty brutal injury history and maybe he's one of those candidates a salary uh, like a salary cap candidate i actually think that 
as much as we want Mac to hang around, I'm genuinely concerned that he either goes somewhere else for that last shot at success or he just hangs them up and he's, and he's done. Um, yeah, I just, I think that I just don't think he's really going to be a part of it. Um, and it's, uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be real hard. Um, it's just that, that sort of thing hurts when you've got one guy giving it his all and he's actually at that point now where he's like a consummate professional, he's underspoken, and now he's just going, you know what, this is whatever's going on here is not good enough and there are guys who need to pull their socks up. It's like, sure, I'm, I reckon guys would respond to that, but also like, I don't know, it's, it's a worry for the locker room. You sort of feel like from the inside out, it's kind of crumbling down. Um, you know, the Staley may not have lost the locker room, but maybe some of the locker room have lost each other, uh, with, with stuff coming out like that. So it's, um, yeah, it's the, the worry is, uh, far more, you know, underwater a la the 90% of the iceberg than, um, I think we, we see it on the field. Have you got anything else to run through from this one, mate? Shall we move along? You got some awards. Well, look, maybe all the cap issues will resolve themselves if you think Max going to retire, and then maybe Boza could retire as a result of injuries, and then Lindsley will retire. Don't even need to yeah. worry about trading and and managing the cap. It's going to take care of itself. Who knows? Yeah, maybe you're right. Oh, when we, when we get Kyle on, we'll um we'll spruik him a little bit more for his his input on that. Because uh, I didn't see that in his spreadsheet. <laughs> Have you got a Nayer award from this week, mate? Yeah, I do. I've pulled it out of left field. I've uh, given it to number 99, Scotty Matlock. Okay. okay. I'd, I'd forgotten he was on the roster, to be honest. Uh, the first couple of times I saw 99, I didn't know who the player was. I was trying to think, did we call someone up from the practice squad? or Because he hasn't been active most of the time, but Obonia being out gave him a chance. And he flashed enough on my screen to think, you know, nah, yeah, not bad. Three tackles, a couple of run stops. Good to see that at the end of the year after the season's kind of done and hopefully that heralds more opportunities for guys who have a chance to show something in what are meaningless games. I'm thinking Dayon Henley, Jordan McFadden. I would not mind seeing him play at right guard instead of Jamari Sawyer with how this year's gone. So bring yeah. on the back end of the roster rookies. See what's behind door number two. Scott Matlock, good job for one week. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, now for me, I think um, I don't really know where the year comes from because there was plenty of Nars to choose from uh, this week. But what's got up my goat is looking at, and we speak about this so much. We speak about when we have today, we have last week, we have every week about you know the the play calling decisions on first down. What's really got up my goat is watching this game, and <clears throat> you look at the play call selection with Stick in the game compared to Herbert, specifically. Um, the run plays on first down. Sure, towards the back end of this contest, Kellen and Moore, uh, Kellen Moore and Co. were forced to to throw it a little bit more because you know it was fast getting out of out of control. But are you trying to tell me that when you've got a six foot six quarterback with a cannon for an arm, you'd rather run the ball more on first down than when Stick comes into the game, a guy who's had like before today like five passes in live football? Um, it's not right. And it was just, it was fucking yuck, man. Fucking no, damn, no damn way. I'm really disappointed with how Kellen Moore is kind of just taking the absolute piss with, with this and just not using Herbert properly. So we did go over it for probably five or 10 minutes earlier, but I just thought I'd cap that off. Cause that really just caught up my goat. All right. We'll move on to week 15. Uh, some pretty look. Obviously, Justin Herbert's now had his um, his fractured index finger on his right hand operated on. His season's done. It's a pretty rough, um, pretty rough trot for the last two years, and has really ending and questioning his run of being this unstoppable tough guy. So he will be missed, of course. But like I said, bit of a silver lining seeing him. Start his off season sooner than later. Concerns at receiver too. Can I Keenan, say something that gets up my yeah. goat? Yeah, absolutely, mate. None of, neither of us are doctors, nor are Chargers fans. The number of comments from, it started with Daniel Popper's article and fans, the only responsible thing to do is to sit Herbert for the rest of the year. Before yeah. there's even a diagnosis, yeah. you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> the only thing that matters is Justin Herbert's long-term future. 
We're not talking about a medial ligament, guys. We're talking about a fractured finger. It's not what, his eighth concussion in the year. Like, what are the chances that that affects the rest of his career? I know my thumb still hurts after you crunched it six weeks ago, but otherwise, less likely that that's going to yeah. true. Less likely that's going to be a lingering issue. All I would have thought is before we found out that he required surgery. Of course, Stick would have played this week. But then, if goodness, if Stick beat the Raiders this week, I would have hoped at six and eight. Six and nine? Uh, Six and eight. eight. That next week, you would have gone case by case. Okay, you're playing the Bills, House Herbert's finger. The only responsible thing to do is put him on ice. God, I'm glad we're not that type of podcast. Anyway, that's (laughs) enough from me. It's like the hot take show. Yeah, the irony there. Black or white. But the only responsible thing to do if you're like an emotionally devoid Chargers fan is to like just stay off the keyboard for like, you know, first 48 hours after the game rather than just going, ah, ducked up, yeah. Anyway, moving on because there are concerns at receiver too. Keenan Allen is really in doubt for the Raiders game. Um, He's missed consecutive practice days with a heel complaint, becoming... um, a bit of a common ailment for this team. And on the short, short turnaround, you'd half expect him to miss week 15, especially with Josh Palmer likely to make his return and end up as wide receiver one, which is a little bit daunting, but why, you know, Easton stick to Josh Palmer. That's a, a heck of a QB wide receiver duo. Who knows what would happen? It would be Chargers fashion for them to absolutely blitz us and us just Hello. go, oh, fuck, fuck it, man. I got no clue. <laughs> Tight end room is looking about as thin as Alan Mine combined hairlines. Uh, Everett dealing with a hip issue and Parham has a shoulder complaint. <laughs> well, it's not Alan Mine. That'd just be yours. <laughs> Both limited on Monday and Tuesday with their uh, injuries. Zion Johnson looked hurt during the game. I don't think he missed a snap, but he and SJD were both limited the two last two days with ankle injuries. Nick Williams has a shoulder niggle. Dean Leonard still yet to return from his ankle or heel injury. Uh, as we saw Michael Davis regain starting job at cornerback. All right. Uh, let us know what happened in the Raiders Vikings game and challenge for you. Summarize this game in less words than total points scored. <laughs> Three zip. Not bad. That was the final score. Vikings three. Raiders zero. How do you even talk about the game? Raiders now have the same win-loss total as we do. It was the first points in the game were scored with one minute and 57 seconds remaining yeah. in the fourth Greg quarter. The Greg, Greg the leg from 36 yards. O'Connell struggled through a pick. Uh, a rookie I loved uh, for Cincinnati Bearcats, Ivan Pace Jr. He had an interception to jump a slant route intended for Devontae. He also had a sack. Good pickup, undraft for free agent type. We could have had him. It doesn't matter. Uh, no, we've seen the Raiders. It's all they're trying to feed Devontae. You know, the Antonio Pierce story started off okay uh, with a couple of wins, but they're now two and three since he took over. We have a set, the same record as the Raiders do. Because of the way this game went, the Raiders did well on defense. They had five sacks. Crosby had two of them. Uh, Josh Dobbs had a very poor game. He got benched half or three quarters of the way through it for Nick Mullins. And the Raiders did lose a a few turnovers. As I said, O'Connell threw that pick. They also, uh, Hunter Renfro fumbled one. And then as time expired, they attempted some laterals and it was turned over on on that. That doesn't really count. That was it. 3-0, Vikings moved to seven wins and Raiders fall to 5-8. Yeah. And uh, the way that the NFC North's looking, uh, the Vikings have sort of leapfrogged the Packers after their shock loss to the Giants. So <clears throat> pretty crazy. All right. We're not going to like bash through the Raiders and like how they go because we've got Stick versus O'Connell. Uh, we've got a gun pass rusher on either team. We've got capable players here and there and everywhere. And uh, man, like, let's just talk a little bit about what we want to see in this week, I reckon. Um, you want to start it off? Let's go through yeah, this quickly before we try and yeah, pull definitely. a result prediction out of our ass. Because what I want to see is probably different to what most fans want to see. Because I want to see a victory. And at this point, most people want to see losses to improve draft projection. Right now, it looks like we'd be picking 10th. And if we continue to lose, you're looking at around top five, yeah. maybe. So 
But but what I'm looking to see, if I'm evaluating from the Chargers team and Staley and Keller Moore, is simply a victory. Because now you've got a level playing field like all these other coaches who've lost their quarterback. And you've held on to Eastern Stick for five seasons. So show us why. Show us that you're not going to lose the players when they know Herbert's out, that they're going to come to the game with the same intent and show us that you have the coaching wherewithal to overcome stick a quarterback because there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to. You're playing against a team who also has a backup quarterback and scored zero points last week. So really, this will be damning on the Chargers if they come out and lose because it's all about coaching. It's Brandon Staley versus Antonio Pierce, a former player positional coach who's caretaker. So come out and win. That's what I'm looking for. I agree with you. And look, I, I, I will never root for a loss. I'm, I hate losing. And it's, it's the biggest point for Chargers fans. It is so, you're absolutely helpless because you have no input on the outcome. There's no point in wanting to tank because at the end of the day, Tom Telesco is our GM. It doesn't matter where we draft. Chances are he's probably going to fuck it up anyway. So like, let's not pray for, oh, if we lose out from here, we might get top five or something like we'll end up taking and, and a, on, on a, that, like, a special like team or something. Every, like everyone knows the blue chip prospects already in this draft. There are probably more, but we're looking at two quarterbacks, Marvin Harrison Jr., Brock Bowers from Georgia. Yep. There's a real chance, a bit like the Kyle Pitts year, that they're all gone by pick five and you're sitting there at pick six. So I don't know if the difference between six and 10 is actually that much. You're still looking at best cornerback or best defensive tackle or best interior defensive lineman, Jazar Newton. So I don't know. I I really don't think we're going to be able to draft high enough to get Brock Bowers. I think he'll go at five and we're not going to get Marvin Harrison Jr. So I might as well win. I agree with you. It's just good for morale. It's, it's easier on us uh, doing the show as well. So I always root for a win. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I agree with you, man. Uh, what I'd like to see this week and over the next month is just for the team to see what we have already in the stables. Get some of these younger guys more of the ball. Scotty Matlock is an example. Man, QJ, like I said, had a career day, 91 yards. Um, his hands worked. Feed him the ball. Feed it, like If Keenan's out, you got Josh Palmer in there. Josh Palmer will probably take the best cornerback. Just get Ke- let's just get QJ a bit of the ball. Um, I don't think taking the ball out of Eckler's hands. I think you know Staley threw that challenge up, and I think Eckler came up trumps. But let's get a bit more of Isaiah Spiller in him, um, in behind him instead of Josh Kelly. Uh, I'd like to see Horvath in there as that sort of lead up. Uh, run blocker. I you know, made it quite clear that I think the Jordan McFadden experiment at fullback, fullback has run its course. Um, yeah. And uh, look, we're out of options at right tackle. So I kind of want to see the team get exposed. I know it's like a negative thing, but I want to see Trey Pipkins get exposed. And the like, I just, I, no, I want him to wake up because it's, like the weakest point of our, he's the most experienced and it is the weakest point of our line. Um, yep. So look, as much as you hate the Raiders, fuck them. But Max Crosby, man, he's a, he's a great player and he's really Gun. fun to watch. Yep. And yeah, pull the pants down on, he's not going to line up against Rashawn Slater, who's easily a better tackle. Um, let's let's expose Pipkins and hopefully that'll be the that straw that we've been waiting to to see heading into the next season. Get Mac his hundredth career sack. That'd be nice, Feed uh, especially Keenan. against. Yeah, if he plays. Um, but yeah, as for as for the prediction, I think it's one of the hardest ones to predict because it's a real. Who knows what could happen? Uh, backup QB best backup QB. O'Connell's yet to have a game with multiple touchdowns, so I'd almost put my house on him doing so this week uh, because that's just how it goes against the Chargers. Jacobs in these last month has had two games over a hundred, two games under 40 yards rushing. Um, the Raiders managed just eight first downs against the Vikes. And like you said, had three turnovers. So fuck it. Chargers 17, Raiders 10. Um, I want that to be the case. I think it'll be the case. Um, and whatever the fan base wants. So if the majority wants us to lose, we're probably going to win because the opposite just seems to happen. Uh, well it's just one of the, just one of the Chargers curses. What do you reckon? Yep. Char- Score? 17, 14 to the Chargers. Uh, low scorer, not one for the for the record books, but yeah, they'll find yeah, well, a way to like win and ruin their draft order. <laughs> Piss everyone off. Uh, fire the whole team. Just fire everybody. 
Um, yeah. Well, look, I'd love a, I'd love at least one or two more victory pods coming into the uh, the end of the year because we're not going to have any, any in January. Um, we might just take a little bit of time off uh, when the season ends. So. Oh, well, guys, enjoy your watching. Uh, and it's going to be a heck of a spectacle on Thursday Night Football. So, you know, strap yourselves in. Um, and uh, I've, shit, I guess we'll, we'll see you next week on Thunder Down Under. How about it, Al? Take see it you guys. Easy. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Appreciate it. Firing, he's got Floyd turning, got it, zigzag, 10-0.